Welcome to another episode of Work Stoppage. This is the fourth one, and I'm here, as always, John, with my co-host, Lena. Hello. And we're just going to get right into it, I guess. The first thing we want to talk about is a little follow-up from what we were talking about two weeks ago. Yep. Uh, we, uh, I like doing these little follow-ups to... Uh it's all of these labor issues. They don't they don't end when the episode ends. I mean, we're not covering uh, a one time protest. A lot of these things are people uh, fighting for their working conditions for long periods of time. And uh, we were talking about the sanitation workers and they had been on strike for seven or eight weeks at that point. Uh, there are there are still some workers on strike. Unfortunately, some of them, because of financial uh, constraints, were required to go back. Uh, there's still 14 out of the 26 strikers out there. One of the good things that happened out of this is one of the competitor sanitation companies has actually provided some hazard pay for their workers, though the people working at the the Metro workers, the uh, hoppers at Metro, uh, have actually not seen any uh, like substantive uh, change in their work conditions, unfortunately. Yeah. They are still out there uh, fighting, but they have, we've helped them, like all of the people who are out there supporting them have helped them raise about thirty or $40,000 in the last two weeks since uh, we originally reported. So thank you if you uh, put some money in their GoFundMe. We'll probably actually keep that GoFundMe in uh, the description so that if you, that's something you want to do, we're also going to have another group that you can support. So maybe by the end of uh, all these episodes, we're just going to have a giant list of, of people that you need to be throwing money at. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so like about half of the workers who were out on strike the last time we talked to you um, are still out there. It's, they said it's 14 out of the 26. And right now, if they're on strike, that GoFundMe is currently the only source of their income. So even though it has like 188000 on it right now, and that might seem like a lot compared to working you know, all week and working overtime and having a steady source of income like that, it really doesn't add up to that much once you spread it out over the course of, of months and months at a time, which is what these workers have had to do. Yeah. Uh, I guess another little bit about this information uh, is that the company did respond to the workers' basically request for hazard pay in that they said that the city should be the one who is paying for this hazard pay. Yeah. And if this was a municipal garbage collection company, that would make sense. You know, they would literally be part of the city and that the city would be paying them. It wouldn't be some private company. Uh, Though that's not what we're seeing. This is a private company and they are, once again, this is something that companies do a lot is they're socializing the costs so that it is, basically coming out of taxpayer uh, money and then they privatize the profits. So who's really getting that money? It is whoever owns Metro. Yeah. And the thing is, is it's like the workers who got like an increase in their, in their rights and struck a deal with their employee over or with their employer over at Richards, even after they struck that deal, the staff at the the management at Richards echoed the same thing that they were saying at the other company. They were saying, well, look, the hazard pay is a temporary arrangement. It's $22 a day for right now. But ultimately, we think this is something that the state should pay. 
And it's just like so crazy that even when you do manage to bully your employer into like giving you the things that you need, they are always telling you like, look, this is conditional. Look, this is temporary. Look, we reserve the right to revoke this at a moment's notice. And I would agree that, yeah, you know, maybe the maybe the city should be taking care of this. But I then think that uh, you should just municipalize the entire trash collection industry. There shouldn't be these competing uh, people. I mean, really, the the workers should be out there striking at city hall saying that the, this municipal garbage collection company that they work for is not paying them enough because having the lack of accountability, which is just some guy in some office, I think is one of the things that keeps these wages so low. There's not an actual competition between these companies. Uh, I know it was alluded to, but, but really they all work together uh, with the same sort of rhetoric that I mentioned before, like competitive wages, which is really just an excuse to keep wages low. Uh, If we municipalize these industries, these really important industries that literally every community needs. Yeah. Like we, we could actually create better systems that support these workers and take care of the needs of everyone. I mean, sanitation is an issue for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's why it's so important that we take care of our sanitation workers. And it's like, it's just so insane to me that, you know, these companies have such similar business models that without even striking the workers at one of the employers can, can force their management to strike a deal probably because it was a slightly smaller uh, business and the threat of a strike, you know, loomed a lot larger and probably also because they were probably that company was probably picking up a lot of the routes, you know, that the other company was unable to staff because their workers were on strike. Yeah. I mean, there's, I don't really, I, I, I'm sure that there's, uh, so much more to go in on, but I, like we always do, we're, we're, uh, or at least we have done so far, we <laughs> need to keep moving and cover a couple more issues. Yeah, uh, so, so we still happening. solidarity with the hoppers, uh, sanitation workers in New Orleans. And, uh, like I said, get out there and, 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 or well, go, go donate to their GoFundMe. Right. Um, we're going to move to a little labor issue that, Actually, I think most people are familiar with, which is basically being silenced at work uh, and the whole concept of not having any sort of free speech. Not that I think that free speech is a real thing that really exists in this country or almost anywhere, but specifically it does not exist at work. Yeah. And we are seeing, especially with the uprisings happening black lives matter people wanting to stand in solidarity with those movements and well if you want to stand in solidarity with those movements at work it's actually up to your boss whether or not you can do that yeah so this article from the chicago tribune kind of details a bunch of different instances uh where various employers you know trader joe's Uh, Taco Bell, Starbucks, whatever, have all like told their employees that they can't wear specifically uh, face masks that say Black Lives Matter on them, which is really strange to me. Um, Of course, their their reasoning is that they don't want to anybody to say anything that would stir up a political argument or anything like that. But uh, the I you know what we need to show these employers is that Black Lives Matter is not an argument; it's a simple statement of fact. 
It's not a political discussion to be had. It's not, you know, this, this or that kind of issue that you can just softly bring people around on. Like people are, are saying this because this is absolutely a critical moment in American history and in world history to be saying this. I, I mean, I think that that is a, a really good point in that there's this idea that there should be a debate like this. Anything that's a debatable issue right. is something that is what is it contentious or um, or or um, controversial. Mm-hmm. Those are the sorts of things that businesses don't want because they want the easiest interaction between the worker and the customer so that the money comes in and there's no problems. I I really think that it is specifically so that you cannot hold solidarity with these movements because they're not actually willing to stand up for what is right. And these companies are, I mean, a lot of larger companies are kind of put in a position of pressure to allow people to do these sorts of protests or or solidarity movements or moves. Mm -hmm. But Well, it's all about what becomes acceptable, right? Like it's how they're they're allowing – Pride flag face masks, for instance, like by and large, that seem that's an uncontroversial face mask to wear. But because I mean, uncontroversial to some, uncontroversial to some, but yeah. apparently it's more widely accepted by employers. But that's incongruous because it's like that's the it's the same kind of struggle. Like you have a categorically mm-hmm. oppressed group of people in the United States, but for some reason, you know, standing up for uh, you know pride and and gay rights issues and stuff is is considered okay, but the incredibly non-controversial statement of Black Lives Matter is just wildly beyond the pale, right? Like, that's so that's so deranged and hypocritical. Yeah, I, I think that uh, one of the things is that employers don't understand that that is a con, like, you can't have it both ways. So, so right. legally speaking, like, the, I personally believe that it's not a discussion. You don't have the right to try to deny people their rights and their freedoms. Black right. lives do matter, and LGBT rights are necessary and a fact. You know, yep. it's not an de- issue to debate. But legally, they are things that are considered within the political realm, although most everything is political. Because of that, you can't say that you can't do one. And you can do the other because that is actually a, a, a form of discrimination in the workplace. Also, one important thing to point out here is that if Black Lives Matter means that the workers are complaining or not complaining, like talking about workplace issues. Right. That is protected under the NLRA. Right. That was interesting because uh, the article highlighted some spokesperson from the NLRB who was talking about that. They were like, if you're wearing the Black Lives Matter face mask specific- specifically to highlight you know, discriminatory working conditions in your workplace, then it's absolutely constitutionally protected, which I think is interesting because I think in almost any workplace, you could make a case that there definitely is racial discrimination happening and that it's an outcropping of the greater, you know, hegemony and, and structural shape of racism in the United States. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, this is also, I think 
stems a little bit from some places that were restricting people from even wearing masks. Uh, and so using that kind of as an excuse, it's always political to wear a mask. I mean, so yeah, like what, where's the line there? And what if, what if just wearing a mask is political? I mean, like, again, I think that that is not a discussion to be had. Right. It is a fact. You wear a mask. We are protecting lives. You do not have the right to put someone else, someone else's life in danger. Wear a fucking mask. But even then, if your mask says Black Lives Matter on it, that's also a fact. Like that, all of these things are just realities that we live in. Yeah. And and to to say that it's up for debate is disingenuous to the actual issues at hand. Yeah. I mean, it absolutely is. And it, it really just, it, it ignores everything that's going on, but it, it, it's a signifier, right? Like it's a, it's an emblem of the way that corporations always act, which is that whatever they're doing, whatever their policies are regarding their workers, whatever their policies are regarding the way that, you know, their company fa- interfaces with the general public or whatever fucking corporate doublespeak bullshit, like it's all price profit calculations, right? Like it's all risk reward. And yeah. there's, there's nothing else to it. Like there's, they're trying to figure out how they can keep their employees on a leash as much as possible because knowing that they can exert various kinds of in- control over their employees is a way of feeling, you know, secure that they can continue to generate money for their shareholders or their CEOs or whatever the fuck dividends. So, you know, there's, there's so many wider angles of, of, politics at work, even in something as, you know, seemingly simple as a workplace dispute over whether or not you can wear a, a quote unquote political, uh, face, face covering that simply just says a a simple fact. Yeah. Or pin. I mean, like there's other ways that you can be, uh, showing solidarity with these movements. I think that one thing to point out to, uh, listeners in regards to their own work conditions is like in the area that I live, especially during June. Uh, I know that June's passed, but uh, there are a lot of worker or workplaces that have pride flags around. They are making political statements. They're saying that their business aligns with that. In that case, they are already saying that they're, they're making that political statement. And so you do have the right to wear a Black Lives Matter mask. Yeah. It's... it's like especially if the, if there is political uh stuff basically like a pride flag at your job being put, uh put out there as like a, a symbol of what the business believes in that just means that they're not allowed to discriminate against your black lives matter mask yeah. just that's how it works well and it's also i think it's emblematic of the way that like you know, some things become acceptable and then some things aren't because it's all like a, a dance around the media narrative, right? Like the, nobody's sure what's safe to say. Companies are still trying to figure out how this whole protests and riots thing is going to shake out. And it's just like maybe instead of running away from being political and trying to make the most calculated statement you possibly can. And this doesn't even come from like my stance as an anti-capitalist. Like this is just working within the capitalist framework. Like maybe fucking stand up for something once in a while, you know, because if you really are not as bad as fucking Chick-fil-A, then fucking prove it. Because if, if you just sit there and be apolitical, like Chick-fil-A is going to keep doing damage to LGBTQ people. Like, so I think that they're, they're unwilling, willingness to ever make a positive political statement unless they're like right-wing psychos is just kind of like a tacit agreement amongst the 
corporate class that like, you know, right wing psychos are actually good and basically we're aligned with their values. Absolutely. I, I think that that is a very important point to say. I mean, why is it that, you know, people who are, I mean, I'm not even going to say that um, the centrists aren't necessarily right wing, but the more like explicitly right thing, right. Right, right wing people like the Chick-fil-A uh, organizations, they are definitely like, oh, that's not good. Some people are mad, but like, no, they're not afraid to go out there and say that sort of thing. So why are you afraid to support a movement that says there is systemic racism going on? Because, of course, the systemic racism actually benefits their company. Like it helps them. I mean, like it, it, it helps them in so many ways they can pay. If they decide to hire black and brown people, they usually pay them like considerably less. They can or keep them in back of house. Yeah. Or keep them in back of house. And then they can also divide up their labor so that like one group that works for them, that's predominantly, you know, black gets paid less and they do like a less desirable task. And then all of their other white employees who are also being exploited now have like that one inch to stand over somebody else and like a lot of corporate cultures especially in small shops and stuff encourage this kind of thing like i saw it firsthand when i was working for a local thrift store for for a little over a year um and it's it's just so crazy to me like and and like you know just the practice of routinely not hiring black and brown people for the same jobs as white people keeps a, a pool of reserve labor and a pool of labor that um it's widely accepted by the corporate class that they can pay less than and it's just like these are all reasons why we need to fucking speak up about black lives matter because it's not just you know black lives it's everything that makes up a black life it's it's their ability to earn money their their ability to feel secure in their own home their ability their to have time to see their, their capitalism yeah exactly and i think that what one of the things that you're discussing discussing is really important that i i want to really get through to the listeners if you have coworkers, make sure you, everybody knows each other's wage yeah Definitely. Like seriously, know everyone's wage. If, if someone's getting preferential treatment, that person should then hold solidarity with the people getting paid less because that business can pay more. Whatever business it is, whatever wherever you work, it can pay you more. Absolutely. There's like so many people up above in some sort of administration or or just uh, someone who sits behind a desk and collects pay collects a, a um money from all of the consumers that are going through their business that that i mean they don't need all that money you know who needs that money you do you're the working class people well and you made like, that money that's the other thing is it's like it's your labor that's making these people wealthy in the first place so even if it's like oh no if i paid you all what you actually deserve or even close to it i would go out of business i wouldn't be able to run this company anymore it's like good we need a system for like workers to just be like oh if that's the way it is then we'll just take over the business thank you very much you know, clearly you're not needed. Yeah, <laughs> clearly you're. Yeah, clearly you're. Uh, we brought in a efficiency specialist from the IWW, and he told us that management really is not pulling their Gotta weight. Gotta go. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry, but we're gonna have security escort you out the building. <laughs> I love that sentiment. Just like yeah, we so we, we've done our own analysis on on what needs to be done here and uh, on what is to be done. <laughs> yeah, what is to be done? Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Very nice. And uh uh and it and it is that management's gotta go. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, they're definitely not essential workers. I'll tell you that much. I'll tell you that much. And all they do is they they like wring their hands over insane shit. Like, should we let our employees wear BLM? Like, well, it's your job today to go talk to the press about this BLM face mask thing. And it's like, yeah, maybe Trader Joe's doesn't need 19, you know, vice presidents you know, executive officers or whatever who sit around and do fucking nothing until they're called upon to talk to a journalist for 25 minutes. <laughs> uh, yeah, that or, or make sure to sit at a board meeting uh, and and vote to look, to keep people's wages the same, to not provide health care or, or whatever. Exactly. Uh, not, to, not to say that whatever Trader Joe's does. I'm saying that that's what that's mostly what what these panels of people are, are deciding gonna, whether or not you get money. I'm going to go out on a limb and without even knowing for sure, I'm just going to say that's exactly what Trader Joe's does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, you mentioned essential workers. And I, I think that our next issue, our next topic that we're getting at does have a little bit of um, a controversy, even kind of from our own perspective. Yeah. Cause it's like, and, it makes you wonder which workers are essential. You know, yeah. and like what services are really essential because this, you know, I was reading into this and without even really realizing the full scope of it, I was just like in these workers corner. I was like, fuck, yeah, this fucking rules. I hope that you get everything you want. And then, of course, I realized that the union members at the Bath Ironworks in Bath, Maine, are, of course, subcontracting out to the Department of Defense and Raytheon and Boeing and all kinds of things. So, right. And so, so I do want to let's let's talk about this. Uh, we have a bunch of workers uh, in their third week of uh, their strike. Mm-hmm. So these workers are out there picketing to stop scabs from coming in and taking their jobs as well as to uh, protest, what was it, seniority Yeah, issues? apparently the company wanted to change the way that worker seniority works, which probably had something to do with the fact that they've been consistently hiring subcontractors to get around, you know, the union's demands for reasonable wages and whatever for their workers. Right, and so I'm always, I'm always against hiring scabs, especially uh, the way that independent contracting works is generally highly exploitative. Yep. Uh, I mean, these people are being paid less for work that is definitely hard work. I mean, iron workers, those are some tough jobs. And these, these are, there's a reason why you want union people doing those jobs because they are better trained. There are less workplace accidents under union work conditions. And I do think that I'm still, I'm still kind of like concerned a little bit about the, this, their, um, the purpose of their job. So, I mean, right. Well, here's the thing is it's like, if you live in that area, there probably aren't a lot of other employers around that are actually going to pay you a decent amount of money. And if you're yeah. an iron worker, you probably have a decent amount of training, uh, and specialization. And like, you do want to be paid a reasonable amount of money for your work. But if you know where you live is all defense contractors, it's kind of like, you know, what else am I going to do except work for people who work for the department of defense. Uh, so I don't like hold it against the workers in particular, definitely not, but it it always does give me pause when I see a labor dispute happening at something that is essentially functioning as one of the main engines of imperialism, because it's like, yes, I want to support these workers, but also even like getting them back to work is just having them resume working for a company that is killing workers in other parts of the world. 
Right. And I'm sure these workers are very capable of doing really important work, but this might be a similar situation to like the cop issue in that those jobs don't need to exist. Like I I don't think that uh, if we like that police could not serve a good purpose when they're not cops. Like I think that those are, those are people who can do work, who who can be productive members of society, yeah. but currently they're police officers, so they're no, they're not yeah. productive members of society. Exactly. Well, and it makes me wonder, like, what other jobs for iron workers could we build up, you know? And it's like, well, I know there's a lot of infrastructure projects and stuff like that, but it's kind of hard because you don't want to, like, force all of these people who live in Maine to, like, relocate to, let's say, Pittsburgh, where a bunch of bridges need reconstructing and stuff you know so there's we can also just eliminate their jobs and pay them uh a universal basic income with no strings attached i mean there's definitely always that that way to remove to to fix the work issue that's true if the work's not necessary we can just take care of people i mean that is an option it's an option and then it gives them a little bit of social mobility that they can use to pursue other skills or find other ways to apply their skills either inside of or outside of their communities so that actually i think neatly solves a lot of problems but of course it's a really big project right like this is a labor show uh and we like to talk about specific union struggles and we like to talk about like different individual instances of things that are happening because they're tangible and they're material and they're relatable you can kind of grapple with them but ultimately like the kind of labor project that is is going to solve the the most pressing labor issues of the United States is is going to be much more wide ranging than you know even anything like the IWW could dream of doing right now. Not to even to mention like some of the the bigger industrial unions or or and and in a lot of cases more liberalized industrial unions. Yeah. So how we actually found out about like what these workers were working on is because. They were they were having this issue where there were some workers that were coming down with COVID, mm-hmm. and we were and I was seeing that the CDC was actually going to end up paying for their COVID tests, and I was I was confused, and so uh, I reached out to a friend, and she was telling me that the reason why the CDC is paying for the, these COVID tests is because they are a contractor with these or with the the government, and they're doing they're basically building ships um, for the military. And, uh, and I thought that that was, that was kind of interesting because the whole article doesn't really kind of lay that out very much. And, and I, and I see this fairly often where the articles are definitely trying to hide little pieces of information about, um, about what's actually going on beyond that though. I kind of actually want to go back to the police issue only because in the article, it actually talks about these uh, these picketers are uh, out on the street and that um, the police actually had made a statement because there was some sort of question about it that they had to uh, clarify that they had actually had someone remove a mask. So so the police are out there out, out there making someone remove their mask. But the reason might surprise you. No, it's it's to ver to verify that he was a lawful picketer. Oh yeah, you gotta you gotta make a distinction between those uh, lawful good picketers and those chaotic evil picketers because there are no other orientations of picketer on the lawful well, to good. 
chaotic and also spectrum. what if someone is just out there p- picketing in solidarity like what yeah. if you just like saw some workers out there and you're like you know what i've got 25 minutes right now and you pull your car over and you you got your mask on you go out there you hey you have an extra sign no i'm still gonna shout on your behalf we're out here i'm gonna stand in solidarity with you is that person not a lawful picketer yeah are you not covered That's by the permit there. that they got before here's my question is if if you are going ahead and registering your your picketing session with the state anyway why not just apply for a liquor license you know what I'm talking about? Like, if you're going to go through the <laughs> official channels, like, you may as well be allowed to walk around with a drink, you know? Maybe that's not yeah. the kind of discipline we need on the labor front. But I'm just saying, like, yeah, the distinction between a lawful and an unlawful picketer is absurd. Like, what makes me unlawful if I have an open container? <laughs> yeah, well, and, yeah, well, I mean, probably. But, but I mean, like, I think that it's really more – it goes back to our bit about why – cop unions shouldn't exist because they literally stand in like in the opposite of what's the what's anti-solidarity they stand against workers the cops are against workers if they have to go out there and identify whether or not you're allowed are you allowed on the picket line (laughs) uh, to, to stand in solidarity with workers i mean like Yes, you like anyone should be allowed. This is this is a curtailing of of people's right to assembly. If a cop ever like asked me like needed to verify that I was a lawful protest cuz like I've been to a uh, labor protest and like if the cops had come up and and verified that I was a lawful protester like I wouldn't even have known what to tell them. I probably would have just gone like full psycho libertarian sovereign citizen mode and been like am I being detained? Am I being detained? And like hand them a handwritten <laughs> like that that Ron Swanson thing where he's like I have a permit. I'm allowed and to do just what says, I want. I do what I want. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like I that's that's what like facing off with with this kind of like insane bureaucratic cop shit would like reduces me to because it fills me with such a blinding rage like you're just making up terms so that you can discriminate against people you're literally just coming up with arbitrary distinctions between oh you're allowed to do this and you're not on the fly and i think it really like shines a light on the whole how the whole process of policing is carried out in america more broadly right were they gonna extrajudicially shut down the entire strike because they might have found someone who didn't have a a union card associated with that particular strike i mean who knows they i mean they're known for shutting down organizing as a whole i think you can pretty much assume if a cop's out there he's not on your side yeah well you know it's just like what are they going to do ask me for my union card and then i'm not actually in the union that i'm there to support so i hand them my little chili's gift card with five bucks left on it and they're like sir this is a chili's gift card and i'm like i know how about we keep this between us and you can just hold on to that <laughs> and then they and then they arrest you yeah, because and they, well and then they beat the shit out of me probably but yeah <laughs> bri- bribing a police officer <laughs> Oh my gosh! I, can't I mean, but that, that's that's my little Chili's gift card is no different from what like state and municipal organizations do with the police all the time. You know, they throw them banquets, they get them new cool military toys, they promise them that they'll you know they will pay for as much police overtime as we need to. So then you have police going out and making arrests in the last thirty minutes of their shift that make no fucking sense, so that they can sit in the office and fill out paperwork and wait to talk to a DA while they collect overtime pay. Like it's the most insane shit, and the kind of shit that if as any other kind of employee if you tried to get away with your employer would come down on you with a fucking fury because like from any reasonable standpoint like that's just being straight up dishonest but like coming from a place of power doing that like already as a police person somebody who already has a disproportionate amount of power in your community it just boggles my fucking mind and like 
that's really, I, I think it just gets to the heart of everything, you know, like how labor struggles and like anti-police brutality struggles and anti-racist struggles. These are also just fucking deeply intertwined with one another. Yeah. And speaking of people who've got power in a community or and people who should probably have more power in the community yeah. than they do have, I'm going to talk about some nurses who are in strike in uh, Joliet, Illinois. Um, yeah, so this is the second Chicago area um, story right now. It seems like there's a lot of labor tension going on in Chicago right now. But yeah, it looks like 700 nurses are on strike right now, more than 700 nurses. Yeah, because they are basically protesting their lack of a contract, which has been expired since May. Um, they work for Amita, which I, I believe is the hospital, um, and they are in the, the INA, which is the Illinois Nurses Association. Okay. Basically, that is, that is their, their union that they're striking with. But they are um, concerned because they are incredibly short-staffed right now. Yeah. And the hospital itself is going to be putting, uh, what is it says, millions of dollars into fighting against these nurses' demands. Now, what could you do with millions of dollars? You know, could you? I think the Bare Naked Ladies actually wrote a song about this, and they determined using the scientific uh, process of dialectics that they would still eat craft dinner, they would just eat more. Right. Um, so I think that, what does that translate to getting more nurses in there, yeah, actually just meeting the workers' demands? You would still have nurses, you would just have more, right? Which is, I think, specifically what these nurses want them to do. They're like, we need you to hire more nurses. We're incredibly short-staffed and we're not able to provide you know, safe and satisfactory care for our patients. And then the, the company who has all these millions of dollars is like, no, no craft dinner for you. Only you know, only, only work harder. And like, and, and how about instead we take our craft dinner money and we spend it fighting your union? Right. I, I want to know, like, why is it that it always seems like there's not a budget to do the things that we need to do, but somehow there's a budget to not like to, to, <laughs> or to fight against what needs to be done. Yeah. It's like corporations are like little kids and you tell them to go brush their teeth and it's like they go into the bathroom. They're like, I'm not going to brush my teeth, but they know they have to make it sound like they're brushing their teeth. So they scrub the sink with the toothbrush instead. And it's like, you could have <laughs> literally just used that effort to brush your fucking teeth. Uh, <laughs> and that's like what we're dealing with. Like these corporations are essentially like bratty four year olds. Yeah. I, I, it, it kind of baffles the mind. Uh, that in the middle of a global pandemic where we are beyond containment, that we are not meeting the needs of the nurses to say it is dangerous for us to not to have, to be short staffed in this way. When they say that and you and, and the, the, the bosses are out there saying that's too bad. What do you mean? That's too bad. These, these are people's lives. Like, we're already going to have so many people die because of this pandemic. And these are like the primary people who are stopping you from getting sick, right? Like it's like when somebody comes down with COVID nurses and doctors and other healthcare professionals are the people on literally on the front lines against the virus, making sure that it doesn't spread, making sure that these people survive. Uh, And we can't even 
give them decent treatment. You know, it's kind of like how, yeah, like I oppose the military broadly, but I think it's a big irony that in this country where we revere military service so highly that we treat our veterans like shit when they come back. And it's like, I think that it just really displays our total lack of priorities that again, when there's a fucking war to fight against a virus and like, you know, it's not like doctors and nurses even do imperialism. So there's no fucking like, there's no qualms about it. Like they are simply doing a very, very good thing, unambiguously good thing. And we still can't fucking take care of them. It's like, it's the most psychotic nation you could ever possibly want to live in. I want to think a little bit about what happens if a nurse gets sick. So if a nurse gets sick, they can't come in. They are already short-staffed. Yeah. They're, they're already concerned about the people's lives that are in their hands. And so not to say that a nurse would go to work if they were sick, because I'm sure that they're smarter than that. But right. to then say that there's no one to fill that space. Or if there is, it's another person who is already working a full shift filling yeah. that space. This is what these organizations are fighting against. They're fighting against ca- caring about these very, very important frontline workers. Right. But these are the, the, the companies that they work for only have one mode, which is oppress the workers harder, squeeze even more out of the nurses. And it's it's like ironic, right? Because that's the exact thing that they're striking against, protesting against. And then it's the response is to do more of it. It's kind of like how people were protesting against, still are protesting against police brutality. And the police's response is to do brutality on them. Uh, and, you know, people talk about like things coming to a head or like conflicts becoming, you know, blown up to the point where they can't be ignored anymore. Well, this is how it happens when you form a feedback loop like that, where it's like somebody has to cave eventually. And I got to tell you, as it mobilizes more and more people, like we're not going to cave to the police. And as this pandemic pushes more and more medical professionals to their breaking point, they're not going to cave to their fucking employers anymore either. I, I can't wait to see, uh, another occupation of that hospital in Philly. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, we saw the police go in there, and this is a, another classic example of the police being against the people when nurses went into, I can't remember what the hospital was called in Philly, but they were trying to create, like, an autonomous hospital where actual right. nurses went in and occupied this vacant hosp- hospital and were going to provide care. And within an hour, they were like all wrapped up and like, I mean, it was a dangerous situation because as soon as the police come in, you know that there's going to be people who are going to get hurt and they're like, well, we're nurses. We don't actually want people to get hurt. And so they, um, reasonably like, you know, they left, which I mean, I would hope that they were able to stay. I hope that John Brown gun club actually gets out there and (laughs) protects the nurses next time. But like, well, and it's so deranged because that hospital is owned by some guy who like wants to open it up as a hospital, but he's demanding X amount of like money or subsidies for, one million dollars a month yeah what a fucking psychopath like you cannot hold people's well-being hostage that way and like you know eventually uh, like i'm not i don't want to make threats on a podcast or anything but eventually people are going to come for you if you continue to act like that you know not everybody Rightfully gets to, so yeah well, not everybody gets to like just run away from their problems like a character in an ayn rand book like that doesn't work the wider world of people you're exploiting are still out here and we remember you know we don't have short memories yeah 
I want to, I would, I would really like to, to know when, when we're finally going to take this seriously, because I really feel like we're still not like, it doesn't matter how many times you have to be told that things are very bad and we need to do something about it. There's still nothing that capital is going to do about it. They're not interested in helping people. They're interested in their bottom lines. Wait, you're telling me there's never going to be a Citibank commercial that solves racism? What? (laughs) I was sitting around waiting for the day when I could just be watching Hulu and I'd be like, they, those genius bastards at Citibank, they did it again. First homophobia, now racism. Impressive. If only they could commodify me harder. Yeah. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Commodify me boss. Yeah. That's the new crunchitize me, Captain. That's where we're at now. Well, that was oh. already an advertising slogan. I've already I was born subsumed into the capitalist machine. You know, I think that's part of the reason is like no matter all the signifiers of American culture are capitalist. There's no there's no okay. outside of capitalism. Like if you live in Germany, like half of Germany was communist for a while. Like if you live in a country that had a successful revolution, or you can argue that the United States had a successful revolution, but we did what? We established independence from Britain so that we could be even worse than them and in charge of it. Like that's uh, not a great track record. Yeah, I um I, I I think that we need a, another revolution, uh, a series of them, maybe even. Yeah, yeah, that would be really good. Yeah, um, and uh, people who would be invited to that revolution uh, oh, are yeah. actually Speaking part of, of revolutionary our, activity. These strippers in Portland, who are actually they were on strike. I the videos and and pictures of them say uh, were from June twenty seventh. Mm-hmm. Um. And I, I really wanted this the slogan that they have, which is probably one of my favorite things, which is which is no justice, no booty. I, that owns. I, yeah, exactly. That, that fucking rules. And also, uh, if there was ever a pirate union going on strike, they could adopt the same slogan in a show of solidarity, right? Nice. Yeah. Yes, that's that's good. That's good. Uh, hopefully, they would also be fighting um, against racism in their industry. Because that is exactly what these workers are out there doing because there is a lot of discrimination going on in who gets what shifts, whether or not... Almost part of it is even protesting the the clients, the the customers, because there's racism that is being put up with in these workplaces towards people. Right. Yeah. And so this is additionally part of this protest. And I, and I really love that. Yeah. It's, it's kind of strange because I was reading the article and it said it was bringing like, you know, strippers and other dancers and DJs and club promoters and owners and customers together. And I was like, that's kind of interesting because that's all of the interest groups, you know, how does a protest bring all of them together? But it's a very interesting way that these dancers are like reaching out and asserting their control over the community by saying like, you know, you have to stop being discriminatory and not hiring, you know, black strippers and, 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 and allowing your customers to come in and say racist things to my fellow dancers. And, uh, it's just, it's really impressive. And it, it says that they're holding this, they're holding two different strike events on a weekly basis. So it's not like an ongoing strike. It's like a, it's like a repeated strike kind of, I think how the yellow vests in France were doing, um, weekend strikes and and big protests and activities like that. 
Yeah, I love you. Love to see it. Absolutely, and it, it definitely uh, like having a continued movement. I mean, if it's not every day, it's consistent. I think that that's that's one thing that's really important is to constantly remind people. What you, people do need these constant reminders mm-hmm. that these are people worthy of respect, and especially their jobs are difficult. They're actually put in really dangerous situations. I think that um, like sexual assault and other sorts of things associated with that are another thing that they're trying to bring light to. Yeah. Uh, and, and just making sure that these workers are safe doing their, their job. But it, it's, it's, it is a little, it is a little dangerous, but because of the way that society has treated them, we're, they're with basically with not as much respect as they deserve. Right, like uh, like people who want to moralize about this kind of work will tell you that like, oh, it's dangerous because they shouldn't be doing that, and it attracts dangerous people, and this and that. And it's like, no, actually, it attracts That's dangerous people. Well, yeah, and also like the whole reason that it attracts dangerous people is because society has that attitude that you would be espousing right there in that moment, right? Like yeah. if you didn't have people saying like, oh, well, we shouldn't. We we shouldn't even care about what happens to them. I don't care what happens to a bunch of people who, who do jobs that are immediately tangential to sex. It's like, uh, that's exactly what's putting them in danger. And that's, and it also sets the standard for like, it's okay to put workers in danger. If I have a, a moral disagreement with the premise of their work. Yeah. And these, yeah, no, I, I, I can't agree more because honestly, the way that, society treats them is actually you're right perpetuating these these crimes yes against people um luckily the um these workers are organizing under the haymarket poll workers association of sorts i I don't know if it's an association okay but the they're the it's called their website is haymarketpoll.com oh they call themselves Um, the the haymarket poll collective collective yeah and they actually have put together a list of demands and actually are offering training to the club owners and um like all of the workers in this industry in this area they said that they're trying to be in they're they're trying to have talks with about 30 different clubs and about two-thirds of them have not responded yet but hopefully we'll be able to to Oh no, the way I read that, I thought it said that they were in talks with 30 clubs and then there was another like 47 clubs that had not responded to them yet. So it seems like they're really starting to get a foothold. And if you can reach over a third than I thought, yeah, not bad, right? If you can reach over a third of the community in that area of like club owners and stuff and, and at least get in talks with them, then you definitely have some leverage. And I'm super impressed by this by this training program thing, not just for club owners for sensitivity, but also like dancers on how to handle themselves and how to be safe and stuff. That is some really going above and beyond shit that other labor organizations I think could really learn from. Yeah. I mean community organizing, community in involvement and education, I think is gonna be one of the the things that really gets people out there and involved because as soon as you're learning how to do your job in a safer way, you're going to tell more people to do that. And then who taught you? I mean, it's the, the hay, the hay market poll collective. Yeah. They were the, they're the ones who are out there and then people are going here and there's a, there's actually a donate button on their website. And we'll make sure to put that in there. Definitely going to have a link to that. 
but yeah, I think that this community organizing and educating is one of the most powerful ways that labor can get out there and make change, make changes in people's lives for the better. Yeah. Well, and I mean, they obviously have wider ambitions than just what they're doing right now. Like, because they name themselves the Haymarket Poll Collective after the Haymarket strike, obviously. And their like contact email here is revolution at haymarketpoll.com. So they're clearly not shy about the fact that like what they're trying to do is undertake like a pretty not just like socially revolutionary, but like broadly revolutionary undertaking. And I think that it's it's just really impressive. And I gotta I gotta give them props because they're doing a fantastic job. Yeah. And and they're one of the only groups striking that has done the thing that I not I'm not saying they took my suggestion or anything, but has done the thing I've so often thought would be a good idea, which is to turn your strikes into kind of a party of sorts, because a lot of people think that it will undermine the seriousness of the issue. But I think what it really does is bring people in and let people know what's going on, you know, because a party attracts people. Yeah, I, uh, you know. I I often worry that uh, we're we're not telling enough jokes on here because it, <laughs> I, I know that I I'm kind of a serious person uh, and I because we do need to bring people in to these right. movements and uh, and because like you know it's n- it's not a joking matter these are people's lives but I think it's really about whether or not uh, you can convince people that this is something that they need to do that like the, or the, at least this is the way that it is done right that we get respect well that, and I, that, I, I think it's cool that that this is something that we can have a sense of levity about because the way that they're organizing and demonstrating in the street it's it's clear that they have a, a bit of a sense of humor about this too like they know that it's serious but they also know that you can't just like go through life with like a, a, a grim look of determination on your face and just like there's there's an element of like levity and joyousness here that I think is really infectious and I think could really catch on to like a, a broader labor movement in the United States. I think that I, yeah. I, I I think that all kinds of workers really have a lot to learn from people who work in stigmatized fields. Yeah. Well, speaking of having some levity, uh, we want to talk about the biggest news bombshell that's dropped in the last week. Uh, so what is our meme review, John? So uh, an incredible reserve of ego has been located in the United States, and the CIA is already working on invading to claim it. Uh, <laughs> Kanye West is running for president, everybody. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, is this is this for real? I'm, I'm actually... I don't know. Uh, Everybody's been. I mean, does it matter if it's real? It matters if it's real. I think it does because I think if it's real, and he's on the ballot in enough states, he'll win. Kanye West is three times as popular as Donald Trump or Joe Biden. He is insanely well liked, a household name, a billionaire. Like I'm not saying like well. I am kind of saying I think he would be a better candidate than Joe Biden and Trump, but that's such an insanely low bar. Let's ignore that. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, that's a pretty low bar. It's a pretty fucking low bar. But I am saying definitely that he is a he's a billionaire and he's a household name and he has the means to win this election. And it appears that he filed his FEC stuff as a Green Party candidate long enough ago. It was in 2015, actually. Right, right. Um, it was it was under um. Uh, I'm I'm loading it up right here. It says uh, Kanye D's nuts West. Oh yes, West comma Kanye D's nuts. 
the <laughs> absolute greatest arrangements of words I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, I'm not a Kanye fan. No. Let me, let me tell you. But this is presidential this actually stuff, him? I don't know. Yeah, who knows? I mean, at this point, it could just be anybody. You know, anybody could have filled that out. But uh, I don't know. Do you think he can win? I think he can win. I think that I, he has a road to being the president. All right. So I actually decided I would load up this um, this FEC filing form. The address is uh, 1977 Gold Digger Ave, Sweet <laughs> Jesus, what? in Chicago. Wow. This okay. Is, wait, wait, this is hold wild. On. 1977 yeah. Gold Digger Ave comes up in maps. It's not a place. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Name of committee committee uh, in full. Get crunk committee. I I have a feeling this might be a uh, non-official, like a, a non-real yeah. thing. But it is, I mean, it, is, it, it, it does say it's for the 2020 election. I think it's all just building up to an album release, right? Like that's got to be what it is. He's just going to drop an album and it's going to be called like President Jesus. And that's going to be, <laughs> that's going to be it. He's going to be like, <laughs> I am the president now. President Jesus on stores at Target yeah. or on shelves, whatever <laughs> like. Just a, a another album with with good beats and bad lyrics, um, and uh, sorry if that offends anyone. Right. <laughs> it's gonna be the most <laughs> controversial thing that I ever say on this. On, this, on this well, I agree. I don't think Kanye is a good lyricist. So if that's a spicy take, at least the pod is unified about it. But I mean, his right. beats, his his production is good. I like his production. I just don't yeah. like his rapping. Yeah, and also um, his weird publicity stunt shit like i could i could definitely live without that i wonder i wonder like but isn't it i mean this is a meme review so i guess maybe we should actually review whether or not this meme is good or bad is the is Is the kanye (laughs) running for president meme a worthwhile meme and i would say yeah i mean we we need something leaning towards something I mean, Joe shoot him in the legs. Biden loses its charm after you've said it 30 or 40 times. Yeah, Blonde leg hairs is a joke. Kind of gets old pretty quick. It's like, yeah, he's deranged. Oh, yeah. He's also a rapist. Oh, God is ass. (laughs) Joe Biden has been murdered by a team of Internet satirists using nothing but their words. Yeah, you know, I think I'm going to vote positive on this one. I think I'm going to vote positive. I think I'm going to vote for Kanye West in the election. Let's actually, yeah, specifically casting my vote for him. So here's here's the question: Is will Kanye West be good for workers? Will he be good for workers? Actually, that's something I don't think I know. Maybe that's um. I don't know. We we always do a review at the beginning of, of of previous things. Maybe that should be at the beginning of our next. Um, event if uh, yeah. or our next uh, pod we'll reflect about it we'll come back to you at the beginning of the next episode and we'll let you know do we think president kanye west would be good for workers yeah i think it's an important question we need to, we need some time to get to the bottom of it <laughs> all right well we're gonna go take that time right now this has been another episode of work stoppage we don't have any bonus episodes or anything yet but if we do by the time you're listening to this sometime in the far future please go check that out uh, there'll be a couple of GoFundMe and other donation links in the description for the, uh, garbage collectors in, uh, New Orleans and the, uh, striking, uh, strippers in Portland. Uh, do you have anything else you want to add? Thank you Lena? so much. Yeah. I don't know. I was going to say thanks for listening. Um, 
My Twitter is at SolidarityB. Oh, yeah. My Twitter is at FacebookVillain. Um, if you want, you can email us at workstoppagepod at gmail.com. Oh, yeah. And please do if you have anything you want to add or any news stories you want us to cover. All right. All right. Until next time. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye.